All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you, and thank you to those of you who have joined us on live stream this morning. Uh, so, as uh, Keith said, if you've been here at all over the last month, you know that we've been in a series called Dry Bones Rising, uh, inspired by Ezekiel 37. And uh, we've been looking at practical things that we can do to come to life spiritually as we are hopefully coming out of the pandemic. Uh, because for a lot of us, the last 15 months have been a challenge spiritually. Um, We've, we've had to face something unexpected, and it has had effects on us personally and spiritually. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about three things that are very important to our spiritual health that we have to keep in mind. One, prayer. Two, fellowship. Three, mission. And there's one more that I want to focus on uh, before this series is over, and that is truth. If we are going to be spiritually healthy, we need to have a diet of truth. Now, when I say truth, I mean something more than just facts. Um, a technical manual has facts, right? But it's probably not going to do a lot for your spiritual health unless you're a passionate engineer. Shout out to Caleb. <laughs> Uh, but generally speaking, that's not what I have in mind. So when I say truth, think of it with a capital T. Uh, I'm talking about the kind of truth that has to do with the most important things. So truth about God, truth about good and evil, truth about purpose and meaning, truth about what is valuable and what isn't, truth about how to live, truth about our condition as human beings. That's the kind of truth that I'm thinking of. And when we don't have this kind of truth in our lives, we become spiritually dry bones, when we don't have a regular intake of that truth. Now what I want us to recognize this morning is that we live in a time where we are exposed to more information than ever before in human history but not necessarily very much of this kind of truth. Here's some fascinating statistics, or at least I found them fascinating. According to Statista.com, the average American spends 369 minutes a day taking in traditional media. So this is any pre-internet kind of, of media. So uh, books, magazines, radio, TV, newspapers. On top of that, we take in on average 363 minutes a day of digital media. So this is anything that we get on the internet. Now, that comes out to 732 minutes of media a day, or 12.2 hours a day. Now, I was like, hold on a minute, how can that possibly be? I mean, people have jobs, right? And I guess, you know, if say you're listening to music while you're doing your job, that would be part of that time, okay? So there are ways that we can take it in media, even when we're working. The other thing 
that we need to recognize is that when they were recording the data, what they would do is they'd like say, how much radio time did you have? How much computer time did you have? How much phone time did you have? And then they total it all up. So if you were multitasking, um, this number could look higher than it actually is. So if you were on your phone, you know, half paying attention to your phone while half paying attention to watching TV for an hour, that would be considered two hours of media usage. Two hours of phone, or one hour of phone, one hour of TV. So the number might be a little inflated, but regardless, that is an incredible amount of information that we are taking in, an incredible amount of media. In fact, according to Forbes.com, uh, the average American in 2019 took in five times more information per day than the average American 50 years earlier in 1969. Five times. And, uh, you know, these numbers are probably underestimates because <laughs> this is all pre-pandemic. And I think we can all recognize that during the pandemic, our screen time increased, right? Because many of us were at home, isolating, uh, no, not as much social contact, so everything moved to, uh, to media, to screens. So the average American is taking in an incredible amount of information, way more than our ancestors, right? I mean, when you think about it, before the 1990s, we didn't have the internet. Before the 1950s, most people didn't have a television. And before the 1400s, the printing press hadn't even been invented. And so written material was scant back then. And you might think, oh, that's so long ago. Well, in the grand scheme of human history, right, 1400 is not that long ago. So compared to our ancestors, our brains are absolutely inundated with information. So much information. But how much of that information is really truth? The kind of truth that I talked about earlier. How much of it is the kind of information that our souls really need and really long for? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, badmouth media. I feel so fortunate to live in a time where the best storytelling, the best music is available just at the click of a button. We are so privileged to live in a time where we can just turn on a TV and we can be exposed to places all over the world, right? Our ancestors couldn't do that. We live in a time where we can be exposed to the views and opinions of people of different cultures, different ethnicities, which we would not have been exposed to in the past. And all of that is there's a potential for a huge amount of good from that. There's a lot of good that does come from that. Okay, so I'm not just trying to be like, oh, media, bad. Not at all. Not at all. A lot of media is worthwhile. But a lot of it is not worthwhile, too. Right? A lot of it either distracts us from the kind of truth that we really need, uh, or it flat out contradicts the kind of truth that we really need to hear. Right? I heard a story a while ago about a pastor who was preaching and he collapsed. And like many pastors, he was a big guy, he was very overweight. And so everybody in the congregation assumed, oh, he, he had a heart attack or he had a stroke. 
Well, fortunately, he ended up being okay. He was taken to the hospital. He was examined. He didn't have a heart attack. He didn't have a stroke. They determined he was malnourished. And, you know, that is not ex that's not what we expect to hear in that situation, right? But even though he was taking in way more calories than any doctor would recommend, the calories that he was taking in didn't have any nutritional value. They weren't actually nourishing his body. And I think that that is a great example, a great metaphor, of what our relationship to information is like today. We take in so much information, but so little of it actually nourishes our souls. Uh, you might say that we're filled with information, but we're starved for truth. And without truth, without that kind of truth that I described earlier, without, without that, you might say that our souls eventually collapse under the weight of all that information. We become anxious or depressed or just deeply confused as we take in more and more and more, but none of it really feeds our souls. So that raises the question, okay, well, what do we really know? What, what do we really need to know? What is the truth that we really, really need to know? Well, the fancy theological word for what we really need to know is revelation. And what that word means is truth about God from God. Truth about God from God. Uh, one way of saying this would be the word of God. So where do we find that? Well, the Gospel of John begins by telling us something about that. Uh, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, John 1, uh, verses 1 through 2 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then skipping down a few verses, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What is the Word of God? The Word of God, according to John, is Jesus. And I realize if you've never heard this passage before, it might be a little confusing. Who is this Word? Word, Word, Word. Um, I promise you, if you know the context, it's very clear this is talking about Jesus. This is John's introduction to his whole gospel about Jesus. And he's, he's introducing us to who Jesus is. He describes Jesus as the Word who was with God, and who also is God, very mysterious, right? And he says that that word became flesh, Jesus Christ, and made his dwelling among us. Now, sometimes when I talk about this passage, I find myself frustrated that John doesn't just say Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and, the, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Um, because it feels like I have this extra step where I have to explain and clarify what John is actually talking about. But that word, word, is there for a reason. It's telling us something about who Jesus is. What do words do? Words communicate. Right? So what this is telling us is that Jesus is God's communication to us about himself. Jesus is revelation. Jesus is truth about God from God. Jesus is the truth that our souls really long for and need. So, uh, now of course, you know, we can't look at Jesus in the flesh, the revelation of God, 
the way John could, but we can look at the Bible, which talks about him, right? And so what this means is that if we want the revelation from God that we really need, we have to be reading and meditating on the scriptures. The verse that I've kept returning to over and over again to describe what we need for spiritual health is Acts 2.42. It describes the early church right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, or the prayers. And of course, the part we're focusing on today is the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. The early church devoted themselves to absorbing the kind of truth that they really needed to hear. The truth about God, from God. And their access to that truth was the apostles, right? Because the apostles were the people who were actually witnesses to the word of God in the flesh. So how do we, how do we uh, expose ourselves to the apostles' teaching today? Well, fortunately, there is a record of the apostles' teaching, and we call it the New Testament, right? So if we want the truth from God about God, that is where we need to turn. That's how we learn about Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus uh, taught. So here's the question that we all need to ask ourselves this morning, especially if we're feeling spiritually dry. Am I exposing myself to the apostles' teaching? Right? Am I making time to learn about Jesus, the word of God? Am I reading about and meditating on the accounts of his life? Am I doing that? Chances are, if you've been in church for a while, you have heard a pastor encourage you, read the Bible. Right? And as I was putting this message together, I was... I was thinking, oh, I don't want it to be boring. I don't want to just say that same thing that everybody always says. Read the Bible, read the Bible. But there's, a, there's good reason for that, right? Why we always talk about reading the Bible, right? Because it is our access to the Word of God, to Jesus. Now, um, I remember that before the pandemic, shortly before it, I tried to give us all a reading plan for 2020 for reading the whole Bible in a year. Does anyone remember that? It was a while ago now. And if that worked for you, great. I'm so happy it did. I encourage you to keep doing that. Keep doing that Bible in a year plan every year. But I also know that chances are, if you're in the majority, it didn't work for you. Chances are you probably got to somewhere in Leviticus, maybe, maybe Numbers, if you were, you know, really sticking with it, and you just lost your resolve. That happens all the time. That's the joke, right? Bible reading plans, they start in January, and they're done by February, because people have just tapped out. And, you know, maybe it's because you're re what you're reading, you're not sure how it could possibly relate to your life. Uh, maybe it's because you're reading certain things that are confusing or even offensive to you. Um, or maybe it's just boring. It's just not doing anything for you. And so you, you stop reading. If that is you, here is my advice. New approach. 
Try just reading the Gospels. The accounts of Jesus' life. There are four of them. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start at Matthew. Read it through. When you finish John, go back to the beginning. Do it again. Over and over and over. Now, I want to be clear, okay? I'm not saying that the rest of the Bible doesn't matter. I'm not saying it's not important. It is. But... If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, it would make sense for us to give special attention to the parts of the Bible that describe the life and the ministry of Jesus, right? How are we going to follow Jesus if we don't actually know what he taught and said? We've got to go to the Gospels. Let me show you something that might help to give perspective. So here's, here's my Bible. The entire part of the Bible that describes the life and ministry of Jesus is this thick. That's it. In my Bible, it's a little over 100 pages. Right there. When was the last time that, on your own, you read any of this to get revelation from God about God? When was the last time that you opened this up on your own time to find out who God is and how to live. You know, if we say that we are followers of Jesus, and what I, what I notice is like everybody, whether they fall on the really conservative side of faith or the lib really liberal side of faith, they all want to say, I'm a Christ follower, right? Well, that means wherever you are in that spectrum of faith, this should be really important, right? And what a blessing that it's not real long. Right? It's only a hundred pages. Jesus could have left volumes and volumes for us to, to read and study. But instead, this is what we have. Just this. You know, and I don't want to shame any of us. I don't want to assume that you're not reading this. Right? But what I'm saying is, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, there's no reason that we shouldn't be really familiar with these a hundred pages. Right? Especially if we've been following Jesus for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? You know, I feel like as somebody who's been to seminary, I should be able to point here any chapter in the Gospels and go, oh yeah, I know what happens there. I, I can't say that I, I can. I know, I know a lot of them, but not all of them. Here's something to think about. There's 89 chapters in the Gospels, all together. And at least in my Bible, each one of those chapters is about a page. Not long. So let's say that you tried to commit yourself to a reading plan. Um, say you're going to do three chapters a day, about three pages, five days a week. You get two days off. Three chapters a day, five days a week. That means it would take you six weeks to read through the Gospels. Which means if you kept up that pace, you'd be able to read the Gospels nine times a year. Nine times a year, that's a lot, right? And if you kept up that pace, that means you could read it 45 times in five years, 90 times in 10 years, 180 times in 20 years. I mean, think about how much the life, ministry, and character of Jesus would start to get into your bones 
you know, if you actually did that. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what we need to do. My goal here is to cast a little vision for how doable this actually is. You know, because a lot of the time, you know, people just say, read the Bible, read the Bible. And it's this huge book, and there's parts of it that are way out of our historical context, and we get confused, right? But I don't know. This, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, this is doable. This is doable. And if we did this, we get more and more acquainted with Jesus, which means we get more and more acquainted with God, which means we, we take in more and more of the kind of uh, truth that our souls really need, that we long for. You know, if we can find time to take in 12.2 hours of media a day, I think it would, it would make sense for at least some of that media to be what Jesus did and said. Amen? And it's valuable to do that because it gives us a foundation for evaluating all that other media that we're taking in. Right? With all that information that's coming in to our brains every day, we need some sort of foundation in order to discern what is true, what is false, what is good, what is evil. And the way that we, we do that as Christ's followers is through Jesus, which means through the Gospels through getting to know those Gospels. All right. Now, maybe you're hearing what I'm saying, and you're thinking, okay, well, Ryan, I've tried to read even the Gospels. And when I read it, it's like there's, there's so much that I just don't get. There's so much that I don't understand. I mean, yeah, yeah, I hear people complain about Leviticus and that sort of thing, but I still have a problem even with the Gospels. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's true. You know, I come across all kinds of stuff I don't understand. If that's you... I want to say two things. Number one, it is okay that you don't understand everything. And in fact, that's actually a good thing. Let me be honest, uh, there are parts of the Gospels that I read now and I think, I know I'm missing something here. I know I'm not fully getting this. Now, when I read the Gospels today, I understand a lot more than I did 10 years ago. But there's still a lot that, I, that I, doesn't, I know when I read it that it's not quite clicking, okay? And this is a good thing, right? Because it means that you can keep reading the accounts of Jesus' life, your entire life, and there will always be more to learn. There will always be more to discover. Today, you might read something in the Gospels and go, I don't know what that means, and you just keep moving. But maybe next year you read that same passage when you're going through the Gospels nine times a year. And all of a sudden you see it through a new angle because you have new life experiences and it comes to life for you. And, and so it's exciting, you know, that we can read the Gospels over and over again and get more and more out of them. You know, if somebody said to you, I have the revelation from God and you read it and you understood it all right off the bat, that would be a little suspicious, wouldn't it? You'd think, is this really from God if it's that easy for me to grasp it and understand it? Right? But what we have in the Gospels and throughout the whole Bible is something that challenges us, something that provokes us to wrestle. That's a good thing. right? It's a sign that it is from God. And it means it doesn't get boring. So don't worry about not understanding everything. Okay? Recognize that you are on a journey 
of understanding, a journey that will take your entire life, and just keep going. Okay, focus on what you do understand, and what you don't, who knows, maybe next time it'll click for you when you read it. So that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say, if you struggle to read the Gospels, is this. Keep in mind what we talked about two weeks ago. The importance of fellowship. God has set things up such that we need each other. And that principle applies when it comes to understanding the Bible, too. No one can understand the Bible completely on their own. I, I believe that very strongly. No one can understand the Bible completely on their own. If you think you can, I hope you know Greek. The only reason that you can read the Bible in English is because a whole bunch of other people, a whole bunch of scholars, took the time to translate that, right? So if you can't read Greek and you open a Bible, you are already relying on other people to help you understand the Bible. This is part of the way that God has set things up. Fellowship, community, we need each other in order to understand the scriptures. Not only do we need each other in order to just have the scriptures in our language, we also need each other in order to interpret the Bible well. Because each one of us, when we read the Bible, we only bring our unique set of experiences, uh, our unique cultural context. And the reality is that the Bible is for everybody, right? So different people with different experiences, different cultural contexts, will be able to read certain parts of the Bible and understand things in a way that we would never see, right? But when we come together in community, we actually talk about the scriptures, and when we read books by other people who have brought their own experiences to the scriptures, our understanding grows. And sometimes parts that we just scratch our heads about suddenly are illuminated, right? God has set things up so that we need each other. And that's one of the reasons why, ideally, a small group is very helpful. You know, a small group Bible study. Um, we only have a couple small group Bible studies going right now. But if that is something that you'd like to do, especially in the summer as the threat of the pandemic is receding and people are starting to come out of hiding and actually get together in person, uh, email me, let me know. I'll be working on trying to put some groups together. So... So one way of thinking about this is, if you're reading the scriptures and you don't understand something, that might be God's way of drawing you into community. It might be his way of drawing you into fellowship. Because God has set things up such that we need each other. He likes to do it that way. So, simple message this morning. Your mind is bombarded with information every day. More information than at any point in history. If you want to be able to, to discern what is good, what is true, in all that information, you need revelation. You need revelation about God from God. The source of our revelation is Jesus Christ. The access to that revelation is the Gospels and the Scriptures. And so we have a responsibility, if we say we follow Jesus, to immerse ourselves in that to make at least some of that 12.2 hours of media that we take in, the Gospels, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the scriptures and for the ways that they challenge us.
the ways that you invite us through them to wrestle with you, to learn about you, to grow, the ways that they invite us into community. And Lord, I pray if any of us have just fallen out of reading them, um, that this morning would inspire us. This is something that we can do. This is something that we need to do. And this is something that we can uh, derive joy from. Uh, Lord, we know that we need revelation. Uh, we need the kind of truth that answers uh, the deepest questions in our hearts. We need wisdom. And Lord, I pray that we would, we would turn to you for that wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.